Okay, so trauma, first of all, is not an event as much as it is a response. Something is traumatic when it overwhelms our ability to cope. It overwhelms our coping ability. Today, I wanted to invite my own trauma recovery coach who has been helping me since October of 2019 to really like heal and look into my own lived experience of being a childhood sexual abuse survivor uh, from my own biological father. She has been a huge help in navigating my healing journey as I work to recover from the complex PTSD I've lived with since my childhood. This episode was inspired by our common interests of self-directed education, unschooling and de-schooling, and trauma-informed approaches to navigate the new world that is unfolding. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about why trauma-sensitive, informed self-directedness is so important as we navigate these unprecedented times. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm very grateful to be here with you, and I'm excited about this topic that we're going to be um, going through together today. Um, how do you identify yourself? What are your, I guess, social identifiers or, and your roots? Uh-huh. So um, I am uh, I'm a cisgendered female who's married to an African-American guy. I'm white. And we've got um, three kids through our marriage who um, have been interracial roots. From a spiritual perspective, I come from a a liberal uh, Christian tradition, but I have a very open worldview on uh, spiritual things. And I guess I've I've had a lot of, of opportunities in life that I don't take lightly. And even... In this situation with COVID-19, I'm very aware of the fact that my family, like we're a loving family unit and we love being around each other. And so we have the blessing of actually being in the home with people who we genuinely love and adore and want to spend all of our time with. So I know that's not really the case for everybody right now. Um, and, and so really my heart is going out to people, especially who are maybe even stuck in traumatic environments during this COVID-19 um, pandemic. And you know they don't know what to do or how to get help or have a lack of, of resources and options available to them. So really anything that I can do um, you know, from where I am to bridge relationship with folks or make anything easier is, is kind of like what I'm all about right now. I live in Concord, North Carolina, or I should say outside of Concord, North Carolina in the middle of the country in North Carolina. So, um, yeah, we're in a very, I guess, spacious kind of rural environment out here, which in this kind of time with COVID-19 is is nice from the perspective that we've got land here that we can work with. Um, we can we can grow a garden. We can go around and, you know, run around outside. We can wave at our neighbors down the road and everybody's friendly. So that's kind of the situation, um, you know, that I'm in here in North Carolina. Gotcha. So what impact do you have a desire to make in this world? The biggest thing that I would like to see is um, healthy, positive relationships nurtured in a way that can bring healing. I have three words that I like to use a lot, and that's love, safety, and freedom. So like when I get up in the morning and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's going to go into my day, kind of like my 
my criteria are, <clears throat> excuse me, my criteria are how do they fit into love, safety, and freedom? And really, if something doesn't fit into love, safety, and freedom, it doesn't need to be a priority for me in my life right now. So what type of work do you feel most drawn to that is anchored in those principles? Yeah, so that's kind of how I got into doing trauma recovery coaching, biofeedback, neurofeedback, the writing that I do. Um, they're all different levels and different ways of being able to um, connect with other people in ways that might bring love, safety, and freedom, that might bring healing to their life. Um, so <clears throat> I went to school, you know, like I went and got a master's degree. So a different educational <laughs> upbringing than what my kids are getting, right? But I went and got a master's degree in uh, pastoral care and counseling. It was a master of divinity, pastoral care and counseling. And the reason I was drawn to that was because of the um, emotional and spiritual connections that I could make with clients and kind of, you know, like forge a healing relationship. I think when we've had trauma in relationships, so often healing needs to come in relationships. So trauma recovery coaching is a way to um, foster those healthy relationships. Um, and then biofeedback and neurofeedback are kind of like bottom-up hacks <laughs> to get into our nervous system and to help our brains learn to function differently to make those relationships more possible in the first place. So, you know, coaching, we can talk about resources, we can make goals, we can move forward. Uh, biofeedback and neurofeedback, we make it easier to do all those things, right? So it makes the, the work of coaching easier when we put some kind of body type work in the mix. Writing is something that I'm passionate about because anybody can go you know, like to my website and look up a blog and read it or, you know, can go to any other website that's asked me to write for them or whatever. They can find information and it doesn't cost a thing. So if they have some way to get access to internet, um, they can actually um, get a lot of the information that might help them in their healing journey. It's not quite the same as meeting, you know, on Zoom or face-to-face, -face, but it can help them along that journey. Now, the nonprofit is important to me because a lot of us with trauma in our backgrounds aren't always rolling around in cash. <laughs> so people who need help the most may not be able to pay for that help. So the nonprofit provides a channel where people who are ready to do that healing work can get that healing work without having to pay for it, without the cost associated. Um, and a lot of like the donations we receive come from maybe other survivors who are farther along on their um, recovery journey or who happen to have the resources to be able to contribute to kind of, you know, help their other brothers and sisters in this world kind of get the same opportunity they've had for healing. So I'm very passionate about that, making sure that modalities are accessible to everybody. And for people that are new to the topic or maybe have heard about it and they're not really sure, am I a trauma survivor or what is really 
that word mean? How do how would you explain that? What does it mean to be a trauma survivor? Okay, so trauma, first of all, is not an event as much as it is a response. Something is traumatic when it overwhelms our ability to cope. It overwhelms our coping ability. So something that's traumatic for one person may not be traumatic for another and vice versa. Um, uh, So really the thing to ask yourself, if you're wondering, am I a trauma survivor, is to ask yourself, have I had times in my life where my ability to cope was completely overwhelmed and I, I just... I couldn't do it. Uh, I think right now with COVID-19 and the sensationalist media onslaught we're all experiencing, I think a lot of people are finding themselves in a place of experiencing trauma. And I think we've got like widespread societal trauma coming from this. Now, that's not the first time we've had societal trauma, but it's happening right now. People are feeling it right now. We're seeing it in in the panic buying behaviors. We're seeing it in um, in some of the behaviors of people who want to act like it's not even there. Right. And so they're dissociated from it, dissociated from reality. And they're like, let's go party anyway. Um, so a lot of people, um, at least on the media might be hard on people who are kind of at those two extremes. But I think the important thing to recognize is that, um, those behaviors are often indicators of someone who's in a trauma response. So like these people didn't wake up one day going, how can I make everybody's life a little bit harder today? I think I'm going to do X, Y, Z more than likely they are um, overwhelmed, their capacity to cope is overwhelmed, and those behaviors are evidence of that. So, you know, if you're in this COVID-19 crisis and you're finding yourself tending toward extreme behaviors, whether that be the urge to suddenly buy all the things in all the stores or to pretend like nothing is going on and kind of be in a denial state of trying to live absolutely normal anyway, or if it's, uh, you know, maybe you're frozen and watching um, 50 episodes on Netflix in a row or what, whatever it is, like if, if, or addictive tendencies all of a sudden, like these are all signs that you might actually be in a trauma response, even from, from this COVID-19 that's going on. So, um, so a lot of us, I mean, we may have had trauma growing up, but now we have this widespread societal trauma. Trauma doesn't um, respond to facts necessarily. So because it's an emotional experience, when that happens and the amygdala is full force ahead and a fight, flight, freeze or fawn response, the frontal areas of the brain, which is our decision-making centers of the brain, they kind of shut down. So logical decision-making becomes nearly impossible. So these folks who are going out panic buying, from the outside, you know, it can look like this person is extremely selfish. Uh, this person is being mean and rude. And while we can definitely experience the hurt from their behavior and the frustration of like, I can't get toilet paper for a week because somebody else bought five years worth, like, more than likely, they didn't actually set out to hurt someone. They're in a trauma response that's 
that's causing them to go out and do these these extreme things um, in response to overwhelming fear that they don't have the proper coping skills to navigate through. Yeah, I can relate to being in the store and not knowing how to proceed. I was feeling really shut down the other day and had to have my partner (laughs) help me just over like one or two bottles of soap. It was not panic. I didn't think I was panic buying, but I just couldn't make the decision for some reason. So, oh yeah, that's a frontal brain thing. Totally. Mm -hmm. Speaking of growing up in certain ways and just how that has shaped how we are now as adults, how has your lived experience informed your work? Yes. So I am a trauma survivor of all kinds of different types of trauma. (laughs) We could sit here for days unpacking that all. Um, But I will say that my own experience of having, you know, having been overwhelmed by a variety of types of trauma and then receiving the modalities and tools I needed to heal and move forward um, were things that gave me love, safety, and freedom in my own life and produced in me the desire to want to pay that forward and to want to pass those things on to others because I really felt like those tools, the modalities, the thought processes ought to be things that are accessible to everybody everywhere (laughs) you know like I just couldn't help but uh, want to use my experience to make a difference for somebody else the other things that I think we really have in common is we both have emotional support animals our dogs that are with us in our our respective recording areas (laughs) they are yes my Keiko is the great Pyrenees Um, service dog, multi-purpose, psychiatric and medical alert and medical assist. And she is sleeping at my feet to the point where her paws are twitching. So we know (laughs) she's having some good dreams right now. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Olivia is directly across from me, my boxer. She's taking a nap right now. She seems unfazed by everything. She really likes that everybody's at home with her now constantly. (laughs) Isn't that nice? Yeah. Keiko's been enjoying that, too. She feels like all her sheep are in one place. It's very (laughs) satisfying. (laughs) Well, speaking of uh, home situations, another thing that we have in common is that we both have a passion for self-directed education. You're a mom of three young people. I'll let you share a little bit more as you'd like about that. Um, But I know you unschool, and I was basically unschooled. I was homeschooled growing up. Um, My mom allowed us a lot of a freedom to study what we really liked. Um, and for me, a lot of that was that I loved animals and I did a lot of volunteering at animal shelters and things as a kid. And now here it's a big part of my, my life as an adult. So I was just interested, you know, with the whole situation, all of the kids out are out of school nationwide. They're still doing some school online uh, for kids that are enrolled in schools. But I was wondering what you could share with us about what you're doing at home. You're unschooling mom, of three kids and how you, I guess, design their self-directed studies or help them scaffold them and what they're working on. Yeah. So, um, with unschooling, things change with seasons, with, with dynamics, with things that are happening in the world, all those things play into what my kids want to learn are choosing to learn and how they're growing as people. Um, in this, uh, 
kind of situation with COVID-19, my kids are aware of what's going on because they want to keep up with the news. They want to know what's going on. They have their own emotions about things that are going on and they notice things. They notice changes just like any other kid would, whether they're unschooled, homeschooled, you know, they go to public school, whatever. Um, kids pick up on so much, oftentimes even more so than adults and in different ways than adults do. So our focus right now is on how do we cope through intense emotions. This is a huge opportunity, I think, for kids right now to learn skills for processing emotions, identifying emotions, having self-compassion and compassion for others. Now, uh, we could sit down and do algebra studies if we wanted to. And certainly if they came to me and said, gosh, all this stuff's happening in the world, but what I really want to do is algebra, I'd be like, okay, well, we can do algebra, but that's not where they are right now. I think like a lot of us, they're really, they're really processing what this sort of, um, you know, new normal is, what's happening here. Um, so I think with kids being home, you know, across the country and across the world, really, from school, it's a huge opportunity for parents to... Um, maybe take some of the pressure off their kids of, you know, going to activities or performing or, you know, getting to a certain level academically and instead focus on um, cultivating the skills and the tools needed to navigate uncertain emotional times. If we had a generation of kids who had the tools they needed to navigate difficult emotions, who had uh, the tools they needed to have resiliency in the face of trauma. How would the world look differently 20 years from now? So um, I think sometimes when people uh, have their kiddos home from school, like in this situation, the tendency might be to recreate public school at home. <laughs> and I have gotten emails about this the last week friends who have had their kids in public school, the kids are home. They send me a message. They're like, oh my gosh, they're home. Um, tell me what to do. <laughs> tell me what to do. How do I homeschool them? What are you doing with your kids? And, um, you know, my kids are 12, nine and seven. And my 12 year old has been interested in keeping up with news more than anyone. He's at an age where critical thinking skills have really kicked in and he wants to have in-depth discussions about what's happening. And he's also very much interested in like the biofeedback, the neurofeedback, the tools that I use personally and, and with clients. So this is a real opportunity, um, you know, for him to have kind of some growth in those areas and he's having fun with it as well as he's just been coming up with ideas of how can we be helpful to others under these circumstances. Um, the younger two are experiencing emotions tied to what's happening with COVID-19, but they, they don't always recognize that connection. They just know they have weird feelings that come out of nowhere and they don't know what to do with them. So, you know, instead of saying, let's sit down now, it's time for reading lessons. <laughs> 
you know, we can actually just go, okay, huh? All right. We're really ticked off right now. What are some things we can do when we're ticked off that are satisfying that help to get that anger processed and out? And a lot of times with them, that involves, you know, doing something physical. <laughs> so it's like running around outside. Or the other day as a family, we were just in the backyard um, clearing some weeds off of their playground set. And I mean, like chopping wood in order to chopping wood on the border around like the playground area so we could drive the lawnmower in there. Um, and, you know, cut some things down that way. And the, all those just very physical things, lifting big, you know, five-gallon plant buckets and moving them, um, those kinds of things start to sound really appealing to, like, seven- and nine-year-olds who are struggling with anger because, really, they want to, they want it to be over. They want to go see their friends. They want to go to dance. They, they're both involved in dance. They want to go to dance. And, um, you know, they've saved up money that they want to go. They've had, you know, they have things they've been saving up for and they want to go to the store and they want to go out and about. And it's very frustrating and they get angry. So it's okay. Like, their anger in that situation is healthy, as is their grief, when it also hits them with sadness that, you know, these things are not in their life right now. Like, it's okay to have grief. So a lot of what we're doing over here is emotional processing. And I think just across the board, that's one of the most empowering things we can be doing with, with kids and understanding that that is a vital component to education, is that that personal growth and and accumulating a wealth of, of tools and experiences that can help us just navigate the ups and downs of, of life that are, are always going to be there, even long after COVID-19 is not. Mm -hmm. But really, everybody is going through a lot of intense emotions. I know th the few people at my house, we've all kind of rotated through feeling <laughs> sad, angry, uh, afraid fear is definitely one that you know I feel like is everywhere and it's going to be difficult to to stay calm every day <laughs> so what are your thoughts on like it, people of all ages being at home to slow the spread of COVID-19 do you think that there's something to be learned for all of us yeah I mean I think it's wise for us especially you know recognizing that we're protecting the most vulnerable among us by banding together in solidarity and um, staying home. So, but we're gonna have a lot of emotions around that. It's only human. And I think, especially for trauma survivors, uh, a lot of, of trauma survivors, especially people who might seek out a topic like this, right? And have done some healing work, have experienced some healing in their lives, may be feeling, um, an especially intense level of grief associated with this because for so long many of us lived in situations of trauma where there was not a whole lot of love safety and freedom we've you know done some healing work and have now come to a place where we feel empowered to be out and about in the world where we feel our worth as human beings as more equal to all the other human beings who we so naturally value around us. We're, we've felt equal. 
And now that you know we're kind of in that spot, now nobody can go anywhere. And it can be really painful. And there can be a lot of senses of it's not fair. I lived through so much earlier and I overcame it. And I finally was in a good place where I could do A, B, C, D, and E. And now I can't do any of it. So I think acknowledging acknowledging the thoughts and the feelings that surround this are key. Um, it might be tempting to want to kind of rah, 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 be positive past them. But the danger in that is that those emotions then get stored in our bodies and they don't go away. So, uh, you know, by doing that, we're kind of, we're prolonging our suffering if we don't acknowledge the feeling. So that's the first thing. The next thing is to um, find ways to remain connected with one another. We might not be able to, uh, you know, go out and about and go out to eat and, you know, do a lot of the things that we're accustomed to doing where we connect with others. But we are extremely privileged that those of us who are listening to this are extremely privileged from the sense that we have access to technology that can allow us to connect with other people. And so finding ways to use technology to remain connected is really important. Um, last night, as an example of this, last night, <laughs> my best friend from growing up who lives in Michigan and her husband were on uh, Facebook Live, and they just decided to, you know, to go up there and to be goofy. And they started singing like old school music <laughs> and goofing off. And then they were sort of like, you know, interspersed with moments of talking about COVID-19. It was goofy. And I got up there and, you know, we shared some sort of inside jokes from our years growing up. We cracked up, we laughed. We started singing and dancing at my house. And so even though like we're not sitting in the same room together, um, having access to that technology allowed us to have this experience of intense joy and carefree lightheartedness and to remember that there is still uh, so much good to be experienced in community with one another, even when we're physically distanced. It doesn't mean we have to be socially distanced. So I, I think, you know, getting those social connections is key. And then also um, getting some, some emotional or trauma recovery kind of support is key. Um, that could mean joining some kind of a, a Facebook support group for a certain topic. It could mean doing something um, like joining. Um, I have a, a a support group that meet that meets once a week and it's only 20 bucks a month kind of thing or you know some people get it for free through the nonprofit um, so support groups like that um, even if you have access and the ability to get something like a heart math device to learn some biofeedback or do some deep breathing or even you know doing a free trial with something like the calm app uh, Calm app or Happify. Um, Happify is another app that can help and has some biofeedback component to it as well. Uh, I would just recommend, uh, you know, some kind of trauma recovery support, some kind of emotional support 
that's intentional and that can fit with your budget and um, what you have access to. I love what you said about physical distancing does not actually mean social distancing. Physical distancing, I think it makes a big difference in how we think about it. Since we're talking about social, that lends itself to community, and that's what this podcast is all about, is what does each of our our sharers, if you will, how do they feel about community? So what does the word community mean to you? Community to me is an acknowledgement of our interconnectedness. And it's the ways healthy community includes the ways we um, healthfully share love, safety, and freedom through that interconnectedness. We are honoring our interconnectedness and sharing love, safety, and freedom with all the other people in the world when we have that consideration and we do that. We're also, um, you know, honoring our interconnectedness in healthy ways when we connect through things like this podcast or through social media, um, emails, phone calls, video calls, um, you know, those kinds of things. And then even just sending intention out into the world. HeartMath, one of the techniques through HeartMath, which is, you know, a type of HRV biofeedback, one of the things about HeartMath is um, you can actually breathe into the area of your heart and cultivate a a positive feeling or experience. If you remember something from the past, focus on the feeling though and not the experience. And then you can let your heart radiate that through every cell of your body and then out into the world. And um, HeartMath Institute has actually done studies about how this can impact somebody's physiology across the globe, even if they don't know that you're doing it. So um, they have got their global coherence initiative where people get together and do these heart math techniques all together at the same time in order to um, sort of shift the the entire vibration (laughs) that's happening globally and to actually make a global difference. So recognizing our, you know, and to me, like, Heart math is self-care. Recognizing our self-care has a global impact is incredibly powerful. And having tools like that for interconnectedness that, you know, really can impact someone across the globe is just mind-blowing to me. It's incredible. And, And it's a way of cultivating community that cannot be canceled. That is powerful. Absolutely. And I just wanted to mention for people, the heart math is uh, a type of device you can order that you put on your ear and that has like a, a, I don't know, it's kind of like a visual component that will tell you when your body is in coherence, which is really awesome. But if you don't have that, you can totally just sit there and like Anna's saying, just breathe through the center of your heart and focus on that feeling. And one thing I do a lot is remember the times where I had the most calm in my spirit like what was I doing in that moment like walking along the beach or listening to the waves of Lake Michigan while sitting in the um, grassy area like I just have a lot of memories like that that I call on and that helps me to stay in coherence when I'm using the device and so if I didn't have it I would still definitely be doing that it's just helpful to kind of have some accountability if you will and to also bring you back 
on track whenever your mind starts to wander. Yeah, that's powerful. So is there anything else you'd like listeners to hear? We're, we're coming towards the end of the, the outline, but I was wondering if there was anything else that we didn't talk about that you wanted to make sure people hear in this very challenging and also um, creative time. Like we have an opportunity where we can all create new systems, hopefully through this. So I'm just wondering what you would like to share. Yeah, so actually, as we're talking about um, heart math and the heart math techniques, uh, you can access some videos of those techniques for free on YouTube if you search for them. And also, with all of our kids home, uh, what an imp- important and empowering opportunity to get a chance to share tools like that with our kids. Um, instead of you know, learning the next most complicated thing in their school books, or maybe even in addition to that, just adding in some of these tools. What would happen if if our kids were all doing heart math? How, how would that benefit them? And how could that benefit our global community? So that's one thing. And the other thing is, uh, my heart is going out to anybody right now who lives alone. And so if anybody listening to this is living alone, um, you know, I just want to, uh, I just want to share that I see you. Um, you know, and I hear the difficulty of so many that I know who are living alone through this. And I think it's even more important um, to know that, you know, the social distancing is is not the thing we want. We want to talk about um, physical distancing. And if you're living alone, take the precautions, you know, to to have as much social contact as you can. And also, I know that some internet providers are providing free internet for people um, during this time. So if you live alone and you're feeling isolated and you feel like your mental health is sort of hinging on having real human connections, um, you know, that might be something to call a local provider about in your area and ask them. They have programs during, you know, this COVID-19 pandemic to help people to get free access to internet. Um, Because I I just really feel like for a lot of people, the social connection is the key. So anyway, if if you're out there living alone, um, you might be physically alone right now, but you're not alone as a human being. We're all sitting there, you know, right with you. But also in the show notes, link anything else that I found online when it comes to mutual aid resources, uh, people that are working to support people uh, nationwide and worldwide. I'll put some links in there for the YouTube heart math um, stuff that Anne mentioned for all people and some stuff for young people specifically. Maybe, Anne, we could come up with a few links for people that are just learning about this that want to share it with, yeah. with their families. So. Well, and actually, even for kids, there's one other resource that I forgot, and I don't want to sign off till I mention it, but there's something called Mightier, and it's a it's a biofeedback wristband for kids. Adults can use it, too. Um, I have fun using it. Well, wristband or armband. You, you know, I put it up higher on the arm on the kids. But anyway, they have um, 
an app you can download and then the band and there's dozens of video games that teach kids emotional regulation and i believe that they have a 30-day risk free and they might even have a free trial um so it's worth looking into something like that even if for the short term to get through this time um to teach kids emotional regulation my kids use it they love it um so they line up for that thing <laughs> um yeah so just something to consider another kind of uh, a budget friendly idea for people with kids very cool we'll definitely link that in the show notes so we'll have a link um Probably anchor.fm slash unified threads will be the easiest way to get to it. You can also go to unifiedthreads.com. And we will have a transcript that will be linked in the show notes as well in case you'd like to share it with folks that would uh, be able to learn the information easier that way. And how can people reach you if they want to connect with you, Anne? I know you mentioned your weekly group. I want to make sure we get your social media stuff out there. Yes. Okay. So um, I have two websites. If you're the kind of person that likes to go to websites, one is ankinsey.com. Now that is for my private practice. So those are for services that you would pay for, but there's also lovepoweredlife.com. That's the nonprofit. So if you need help and support, but you don't have a budget for it, that would be your website. From either of those two websites, if you um, go to the contact section, I can get you set up on um, the support group. So uh, the support group, we meet every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. We meet via Zoom, so it's video, and it's, it lasts for an hour. So if you have, you know, the ability to pay, it's ankinsey.com. If you don't, it's lovepoweredlife.com. You can also uh, reach me on Instagram at ankinseycoaching or at lovepoweredlife. And um, you can reach me on Facebook under those same names as well. Um, And so, yeah. You can also email me, ankinseycoaching at gmail.com or lovepoweredlife at gmail.com. Emails, it might take me 24 hours to get back to you sometimes, depending on volume, but um, I'll get back to you as quickly as I can. Messaging on some of the social media platforms, you might sometimes hear back a little more quickly. Awesome. And it's Ann, spelled A-N-N-E, right? Yes, A-N-N-E, and with an E. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for taking time today to record this. And if you would like to reach Anne and for some reason you're not able to find her through those methods, again, of course, you can message through unifiedthreads.com and we'll get it to her. So much, Amy. This has really been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on Unified Threads. It was a true honor. We appreciate you. Thank you. Take care. Peace. You too. Take care. Tell me what do you give when you give it your all? Seems like you can't make it through. Well, you just stand yeah, 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 yeah. there's nothing less than do. You just stand wise to see you through. Yes, after you've done all you can. You just 
heard Trishay Duckworth sing Stan and tell us not to give up. Trishay is one of the main organizers behind the Survivors Speak organized protests in Michigan. This was recorded outside the Washtenaw County Police Department on May 30th, 2020, before a march calling for justice for Shatina Grady L., a black woman who was attacked without cause by a Washtenaw County police officer. Nucleus. According to the freedictionary.com, Nucleus is a noun that means, number one, a central or essential part around which other parts are gathered or grouped, a core. Two, something regarded as a basis for future development and growth, a kernel. In astronomy, it's referred to as the central, often brightest part of the head of a comet, the solid part of a comet composed of ice and smaller amounts of dust and rock, and the central, often brightest part of a galaxy. Some synonyms for nucleus include center, heart, focus, basis, core, pivot, kernel, nub, bud, embryo, germ, kernel, seed, spark. Now some bright people I am drawing strength from in this world of atoms. I wanted to mention Only Black Cosmonaut Podcast. This has been one of my favorite daily podcasts since late last year. I'm going to read a little bit aloud from Everyday Cosmonaut's Patreon page about what Only Black Cosmonaut is focused on. Number one, self-love is deep work. Cosmo has a unique clouds, consciousness leaping over unknown dimensions in space approach that guides people to deep self-awareness by examining our experiences here on this planet. Number two, meditation is a physical tool to support and sustain self-love. Cosmo offers tips and encouragement for that practice. And number three, homemade wellness is the everyday set of actions that help people turn self-love into a consistent practice. So I wanted to definitely share out this Patreon link, patreon.com backslash everydaycosmonaut, C-O-S-M-O-N-A-U-T. 
and ask that if you're able to make a donation on his Patreon, please do that. You can also listen to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere else that podcasts can be found. And my other artist at the moment that I'm really digging is Londrell. You can check out his latest album, Self Care Package, on Spotify. Londrell has many albums, included but not limited to the Self Care Package, that help with just really grounding yourself, getting to know ourselves, loving ourselves. So I wanted to throw that out there for contemplation for your listening as we are all working on navigating these times. And then the other links I'd like to uplift are for parents and caretakers that are listening. The Raising Free People Network, RaisingFreePeople.com. Akila Rich- Richards and her team produce Fair of the Free Child podcast. If you go to RaisingFreePeople.com backslash podcast, that's a great place for anybody just now starting on this unschooling, de-schooling journey that heard a little bit about what Ann and I were talking about want to go deeper into that. I definitely ch- uh, recommend you check out RaisingFreePeople.com. And of course, the Eclectic Learning Network uh, by Malika Diggs. From their website, they describe themselves as a secular, BIPOC, Black Indigenous People of Color-centered network dedicated to providing resources, trainings, and workshops to families and learning spaces that shift ways toward learning as a lifestyle and a partnership-based relationships through unschooling and self-directed learning approaches. EclecticLearningNetwork.com, so you can go on there and read uh, a lot of really great information. And uh, there's a webinar series from Malika on there as well, in collaboration with the Alliance for Self-Directed Education. So you can check that out. And now for a big thank you to the team who made this podcast episode possible. Thank you to Taylor Greenshields of Fundamental Sound Co. for editing and mixing this episode. A big shout out to Binyong in Florinopolis, Brazil, for our intro and outro music. Glad to hear you're doing well over there, friend. We miss you. And then, of course, Trisha Duckworth and everyone at the May 30th, 2020 Survivor Speak March in Washtenaw County. We appreciate um, everybody that organized at that event and at all of the other events, um, both before that and after that, that will continue on as we all are working towards liberation on this plane. You can follow Survivor Speaks on Facebook. I'm going to link their page in the show notes. And then, of course, a special thank you to the busker that you're hearing in the background. This track was recorded on the streets of Cambridge, UK, August 3rd, 2017, along with Bino's SoundClouds. If you want to hear more from Bino, you can hear more from him. So that's it for now. Thanks for listening to the Unified Threads podcast, episode 08, Nucleus. Speak your truth, and we'll hear you next time. Peace.